0: yours in abundance today as you consider what smells good to him and ask him to produce that in you. Go ahead, take a deep breath in through the nose. <sighs> what smells good to you? Maybe it's a campfire in the backyard or at a campground if you like camping. Maybe it's that first fresh hot cup of coffee in the morning. Maybe it's homemade barbecue, turkey on the grill, apple pie, homemade bread, chicken parmesan in the oven. What smells good to you? You're probably thinking of lots of things and my deep apologies for making you a little bit hungry in the middle of the morning, especially if you haven't had breakfast yet. But what smells good to you is an important thought when you shift into thinking what smells good to God? What makes God say, ah? And the answer is, you do. When you are living for Him with all your heart, as He has lived for you with all His heart. And to explore that thought today, we get to enjoy some scriptures from Noah and the Flood. The sermon verses for today start with God commanding Noah to leave the ark. But in order to really understand what was going on at that point in time, it's helpful to review the background of what happened during Noah's life as well as the Flood. 120 years before the Flood waters came on the earth, the Lord looked down and saw that humanity was evil every inclination of their heart was godless maybe two three million people in the world at the time only eight repentant christians there's more people here by far in this room now than there were repentant christians in the entire world at the time of noah The Lord told Noah, I am going to give 120 years of time for them to repent. After that, I'll be sending a flood. And God gave Noah specific directions on how to build the ark. And then when the time came, the Lord commanded Noah to enter the ark along with all the animals he had commanded Noah to gather as well as his wife and his three sons and their wives. The floodwaters came on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. You thought Hurricane Harvey was rough. You thought Hurricane Ian, the pictures we've seen from Florida, not good. Well, multiply that, who knows how many times over, 40 days and 40 nights. And the waters came down not only from the skies, but also from the great deep of the earth. The water levels reached such a height that it took 150 days of waters receding in order for the ark to come to rest on the top of a mountain. Wow. And then, it's not like Noah's life changed drastically. The ark wasn't rocking back and forth in the angry waves anymore, I guess, because it was on the top of the mountain, but he still couldn't go outside, and he was quite a ways away for being able to do that, actually. Another five months went by when the earth was generally dry. But still, Noah could not go out. The Lord had not given him that instruction as well as he knew, I can't exactly build a house, I can't exactly plant a garden, things are too saturated. It was another two months, a little more than that actually, before the Lord commanded Noah those eight words, that he had been longing to hear go out from the ark you and your family and that's where we pick up the scripture verses in Genesis chapter 8 verse 15 then God said to Noah come out of the ark you and your wife and your sons and their wives bring out every kind of living creature that is with you the birds the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out, together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. All the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land, came out of the ark, one kind after another." Noah had been in the ark for 375 days, a little more than a year. And it certainly caught his attention that millions of people had died as well as millions of animals. But it also caught his attention that God was not all about mass destruction, but God was actually all about mass deliverance. Because what stopped God from making it three million and eight instead of just three million? His mercy, his intention, his all-in deliverance for Noah and his family, and that really was touching Noah's heart as he and his wife and his sons and their wives exited the ark. Noah had the ultimate honey-do list. At that point, and there's nothing no stores, no home, no garden. The basic needs of life what am I going to eat? Where am I going to sleep? How is this going to work? There was an endless list of questions, really. Even simple things like I need to talk to my sons, and we need to figure out where we're all going to live. I need to talk to my sons, and we need to figure out where we're going to plant our garden. So many questions. And you could say Noah not only had the long honeydew list, he also would have been the ultimate do-it-yourselfer. And yet, was all of that driving his mind? Was all of that pushing his heart? The very first thing Noah did, with all of this other thing in the world on his mind, even though everything had changed, tremendously since the last time he had set foot on the ground listen to what Noah did first verse 20 then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds he sacrificed burnt offerings on it the Lord had said only certain kinds of animals and birds were clean animals to be sacrificed Look what Noah did first, before the to-do list. Before everything else, he said, I am going to worship the Lord. He did that first. And he gave the Lord his best. The Lord had been decisive and intentional and all in on delivering Noah. And now Noah was decisive and intentional and all in on worshiping God. He gave him some of the clean animals and clean birds as a burnt offering and never once did he worry there's only so many animals right now there's only so many birds here what about next week what about next month if i kill some of them and give it to god what am i going to have then he didn't worry about it because he knew and this is a really important point for you to think about today connected with all of this a God who delivers me like this in the past will certainly keep delivering me every day going forward. And so he was unafraid to sacrifice his best for the Lord with all his heart. The offering is a burnt offering and if you'd like to learn a Hebrew word today, which you have no choice, I'm going to tell you, so you're going to have to learn it. It's the olah offering and I like that one, it's easy to remember, because in the Ola offering, the burnt offering, the whole thing goes up in smoke. And the offering is meant to symbolize you, as the worshiper, are giving your whole self to God. So the burnt offering, the Ola, the key point is, I am giving all I have to God, total dedication, God has been all in to me and I am going to be all in to Him. That's what Noah did first. Yeah, he'd get to the house. Yeah, he'd get to the garden. Yeah, he'd figure out where his sons were, who's going to live where. But that, while important, wasn't as important as giving the Lord an Ola and being all in to Him. That heart of Noah smelled good to God. That heart of Noah caused the Lord to go, (sighs) as though it were that fresh hot cup of coffee in the morning, or the homemade bread coming out of the oven, or the campground fire in the campground backyard. It smelled good to God. Look at verse 21. And following the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. The Lord was giving mankind a mulligan, a fresh start. And He promised that until Judgment Day ends the earth once and for all, He is never going to send a massive disaster like the flood upon the earth. Until Judgment Day comes and ends it all, Seed time and harvest, day and night, cold and heat, summer and winter will continue. It'll keep going, even though a lot of that was put on hold during the year plus of the time of the flood. And the Lord is doing that, not because humans deserve it, because he still noticed every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Noah is repentant as well as his family, but they're still sinful, and they're going to have sinful kids and grandkids and great-grandkids that need to repent or else it's just going to be a sinful train wreck for their whole life. The Lord, though, promised this because, remember, He is not about mass destruction. He is about mass deliverance. And He wanted human beings to have as much time as possible, a time of grace, in their earthly life to come to faith. Do you smell good to God? Have you been thinking about that a little bit? As a Christian, the answer is well, yes. And no. There are times when we love Jesus with all our hearts and we are excited to hear His word. I heard some of you talking about that this week, how much you are looking forward just to coming to church on Sunday and hearing His word. That smells good to God. But there's lots of other things in our life that doesn't. If you're comparing, not just necessarily church on Sunday, but also opening your Bible and reading it, or coming to the Bible study you're curious about, or listening to that podcast devotion versus the to-do list, too often we are not like Noah, and the to-do list gets the best of us. And it's not that we're opposed to giving thanks to God, or we're opposed to coming to church or listening to the devotion, it's just that we'll get to it later. Yet, you and I know, and I'm reflecting from my own experience of Nathan Beegee, not necessarily you, even though I know you're like me, when you have it in your heart to do it later, too often it just doesn't happen. So we don't smell good to God when our priorities are different than His. We don't smell good to God when we give Him less than our best. God is decisive, intentional, all in on delivering us from sin. And we respond by being sleepwalker, Ho-hum! Jesus paid for my sins, I'm going to heaven. Cool. Heard it before, I'll hear it again. It just doesn't touch the heart that much. That doesn't smell good to God when we are not all in to Him and His salvation like He is to us. And when those things are happening, when the to-do list is taking priority and we're ho-hum about Christ and His finished work, we won't be able to avoid another factor in here, which is we give him less than our best. We give him our leftovers. Giving him time, giving him money, giving him our energy. It's an afterthought, not a priority. Whereas Noah gave the best of his clean animals, trusting, even though there was a very limited supply, that God would keep providing going forward. We give less than the best and struggle to even give that. And a big part of the reason why is because we're afraid of what about tomorrow as we see inflation, interest rates, stock market, my job, whatever. Name the excuse, put it in a heap. It's all the same heart and it stinks to God. He must be saying, What do I have to do to get you to trust me? We repent of this. We're sad that sometimes we stink to God when he's not first place in our hearts. And even though we don't deserve it, just as human beings did not deserve God to promise them that he would never destroy the earth again, but he promised that. Just as any sinner did not deserve to have Jesus come from heaven and earth, heaven to earth, to die and live and rise, he did that. We also don't deserve to have God give us a second chance to give us a fresh start. But he will, and he does. His mercy is brand new every morning. Today is no exception. And as you think about that, God's mercy for me right now. God's mercy for me washing away all of my less than perfect priorities, my less than perfect gifts and offerings, my less than perfect joy in salvation. You have a fresh start this minute. Just like Noah had a fresh start as he got out of the ark. We have a fresh start. To serve the Lord with renewed joy. To serve Him with decisive, intentional, all-in opportunities. And that will smell good to God. So smell good to God today. As you give Him great joy, thanking Him for His salvation. As you dream about the home in heaven waiting for you. As you look forward to it and are excited To go there one day, yet also excited to serve Him and the people around you now until that day comes, which you trust God, it will come at the perfect time. Smell good to God as you give Him not your leftovers, as you give Him not something after sleepwalking through your offering or your time, but your best, because you know that a God who has delivered you so often from so many things will keep delivering you going forward, bar none, zero exceptions. Smell good to God. As the rest of the to-do list can wait, I'll get to it, I have to, but first, I want to dial in again with how much God loves me. It's unconditional it's eternal. It's like nothing else. It never gets old. It never grows stale. It's never boring. Or yesterday's news. You see, the Christian's relationship with, the, with God really is like a, like a big love bubble, in a sense. God is all love. He loves us in Christ and gives us so many blessings on top of that. We reflect on His generosity to us giving him full credit for everything we have instead of patting self on the back. And we respond with thanks and gratitude. That smells good to God, and he gives us more where the first batch came from, and that produces more thanks and generosity in us. Thanking God and being generous to the people around us It's the opposite of the me first thing that we see in the world and see in our own hearts at times. Enjoy that life in the love bubble. God's generosity produces thankfulness and generosity in us. We will be blessings like no one else in the lives of people around us. This past week, as we were working on a way to communicate an update about our building program coming up, Gary Abbott, I didn't even tell him I was going to say this, but I'm sure he won't mind. We were talking about how to say the truth, how to give a good, accurate reflection of what's, what's happening without over-promising, and we're talking about costs and rates and things, and Gary said, you know what, Pastor, the only thing we can really count on these days is the love of God for us, and he's right. And I think that's a great way to finish the sermon today, thinking about how can I smell good to God? It is by starting and finishing with that thought. The only thing I can count on today, as well as for the rest of my life, is God's love for me. But that's enough. And that's why I want to smell good to God today and every day being thankful and generous for all of his blessings, trusting his every syllable for the rest of my life. God bless you as you do that and enjoy an increased relationship connection with your Savior. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.